Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to yet another episode of Popping Off with Feel the Podcast. Happy Tuesday, our favorite day of the week. I know you guys aren't hearing the hustle and bustle of me being in a vehicle and me shuffling around because today I am working from home and I am ever so grateful, but I wanted to take some time out just to podcast, to talk to my co-host, to talk to my people. I love Tuesdays. Tuesdays have become my favorite day of the week, which is odd because it's the day after Monday, the day before Wednesday and not Friday. But um, I get an opportunity to kind of talk and let you know what's going on with me, um, share some thoughts and some ideas about different things. And that's exciting. So, of course, this past weekend uh, were the Grammy Awards, which um, always bring about a lot of excitement and or controversy. And I'm not going to talk much about the Grammy Awards because it's not what this podcast is about. But I just want to say, because I like to watch live award shows and kind of add my commentary. That's become my thing. And pretty much like my podcast or like my Black History Facts of February, which I'll talk about next, people kind of enjoy watching along with me and they'll send me messages like hey are you watching a war show are you gonna be adding your commentary today and I'm like sure you know it's fun for me let me be clear it's it's my point is never to really be controversial it's pretty much just to kind of talk about how I feel about a particular uh performance or maybe an award that was given or nominees or whatever the case is pretty much just voice in my opinion but obviously Social media is an open forum, and anytime you begin to talk about how you feel or what you think, there's always going to be somebody in your comments trolling <laughs> or, you know, giving an, an, an antithesis to what you've already said. But the only thing I want to say about the Grammys or any awards is this. I know that people like to discredit award shows. They like to discredit the industry for their dismissal or their 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 ignoring of the work of, of black folks and and, and 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 a lot of things but let's be clear the Grammys are still important to people they still matter to people you as an individual may not care but your livelihood doesn't depend on it and your ability to get other work doesn't depend on it one of the most exciting things about the award show or two of the most exciting things was watching her receive her first Grammy um, live because she received two that evening but that one was actually presented and watching Cardi B receive her first Grammy and make a history as being the first female artist to accept the award for best rap album that's it's amazing you know it's amazing to see how excited they are, how nervous they are, how how they can't quite get their words together. Amazing. And those are the moments that I actually live for. That's the excitement that I like to see. So I'm going to continue to watch award shows (laughs) Um, because I know that they do have value. Um, If they didn't, people wouldn't talk about how they don't mean anything people wouldn't be upset when they didn't get nominated people wouldn't be upset when they didn't win that's all I'm gonna say about that in terms of Black History Month so for the last 10 years I have 
been doing Black History Facts on my Facebook page. And it's taken many different forms. But I started about 10 years ago because as a little black boy growing up in metropolitan Detroit, um, you know, every, every, every February is Black History Month and you're tasked with doing some type of project. And it was always the same people. Dr. King, Malcolm X, Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman. Um, when we got fancy, we started getting into the Quincy Joneses and the and the uh, and the Oprah Winfrey's. And because I'm from Detroit, every once in a while you would get a Barry Gordy, Aretha Franklin, and Diana Ross and the Supremes. Nonetheless, I we as a people have contributed so much, have given so much. Much of it was by force and a lot of it was stolen. But there's a lot that we've given and contributed to the greater society, the greater community. And I just wanted to focus on those little known things, um, those things that we don't hear about often, the things that we've created or the things that we've started that have been the foundation for other things created. And so I really, really enjoy it. And the funny thing is, is people really anticipate it, which puts a little bit of pressure on me because obviously you're trying to find something new. And I'm also learning is things. I I post things that are interesting to me, things that I didn't know. Um, Obviously, there's going to be some repeats over a 10 year time span. Um, Sometimes you can't find fully developed thoughts about certain types of history. So I try to merge things. But I just want to say thank you to everyone who supports me, um, who encourages me to continue to do it, who's excited. I had a a friend from high school say, hey, my kids are old enough now where I read them to them every day. And I think that that's uber amazing. Um, And so I just encourage any of my co-hosts who may not be my Facebook friends, Philip Cordell Holly II, go follow me, get you some history, share with your family, share with your children. Um, We are an amazing people. Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about, and I've talked about this before, because it all ties in together, mental health, mental wellness, um, taking care of ourselves, identifying past traumas in our lives and getting the necessary help to move through those things um, and not just calling upon coping mechanisms to numb that pain. A coping mechanism is alcohol. A coping mechanism is uh, marijuana. A coping mechanism is sex. A coping mechanism is shopping. Um, A coping mechanism is shutting down um, and being withdrawn. All of these are things that we do to deal with traumas that have occurred in our lives that we aren't ready to talk about, we aren't able to, we aren't ready to address and we are unwilling to seek some type of professional help, counsel, guidance to get through. Um, I grew up in church. I'm Christian. I'm Baptist. I believe in the power of prayer. I think that it's extremely important to have a foundation. And I am not so hell-bent on you need to be Baptist or you need to be Christian. I think it's important that everybody subscribes to some great I am, some higher power. Um, If it's not Christianity, by all means. 
I just think that it's important to give some type of deference to something greater than who we are. And in that, by honoring whatever that is that you honor, because we all have that individual right to do such, um, it makes us better people. It lets us know that we're not in this thing alone. It lets us know that we don't create the wheel. We are just in the middle of it. And I think that that's an important way to kind of walk through the world peacefully because we are all very different. And while a lot of us search for acceptance, um, at at the core, we just need people to understand that we're different to respect that we're different, and then operate accordingly. Nonetheless, February 11th is a loaded day for me, Um, which was yesterday. February 11th is a loaded day because while it brought about great joy, there was some confusion and some pain associated with that day. The great joy is um, one of my little cousins was born. Happy birthday, Elijah. Um, He turned seven yesterday. Um, The great pain is Whitney Houston died. And anybody who knows me knows that I am a huge Whitney Elizabeth Houston fan. Okay? Um, But the same time I found out that Elijah was being born, that Whitney Houston had died, I also found out that my mom had been hospitalized for an extended period of time and and I had not been made aware of that. I also found out that during this extended period of time, um, my family that was there had not really gone to visit or check to see what was going on. They knew she was there and that's kind of where it was. Um... And that was very painful for me and and very confusing because I didn't really know how to react or respond. Um, Me and my mother don't have the same last name. I I carry my father's last name. I was not listed as um, the individual who makes or made medical decisions or choices. Um, And so gathering information, being here, meaning displaced in Georgia, not in Michigan, was difficult. Um, I don't really recall what was going on in my life at the time, but um, my immediate reaction wasn't to go. And I sometimes struggle with that. You know, why did you not stop what you were doing and try to get to Detroit to put your eyes on things to see what was going on? Um, But... You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Call it selfish, call it unaware, call it not in tune. But I didn't make a decision to immediately go and see what was going on. What I found is she had been hospitalized for a period of time. During that period of time, she had been ventilated um, because she wasn't able to breathe on her own. And... There was no real explanation of how, when, or why. It's just this is where we were. And so um, I did eventually make it home in 
remember exactly when, but later on in that time frame, I, I, I made it home. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it, it's just one of those experiences that kind of rocks me because those last couple years of my mother's life are just, I, I just don't really have any clear explanation of what happened. She was working and then she wasn't working. And there seemed to be no fight about her not working. And I wasn't financially in a position where I could really take care of her. Um, And I wasn't really aware of her needs and what what needed to be happening and what needed to to go on. I just was out of the, I was out of the loop. I was completely out of the loop. And as a child, it's difficult because parents oftentimes remind you that they're the parent and and you're the child. And as long as they are in their right state of mind and able to, to, to answer the right questions, no one really, no one really gets other people involved, you know? And so by the time I went home, things have kind of leveled out. Um, But throughout that year, I was constantly getting calls. Your mom's not taking her medicine. Your your mom's not doing this. Your mom's not doing that. Your mom's in the hospital again. This is what's going on. And this is when I say the year from February 2012 to February 2013. You know, that's kind of how that year was. It was up and down, up and down, up and down. This is what's going on. That's what's going on. This is what's going on. Um, I spent a lot of time in Detroit in in, in 2013. So I got a chance to kind of put my eyes on things a little little more. But I also went home a little frustrated with my family and basically was like, don't ever let it be a situation where my mother is hospitalized and I don't know I don't care if you don't make it to see her but I should know I should have that information so I can figure out what I need to do with it um I'm fortunate and blessed that I have one of the most amazing examples of of a man of a provider of a father of a friend of a Christian not that that's the least of those but in terms of things that I've learned from him in my father because my dad while my mom was hospitalized went to the hospital every other day just to make sure that she was okay and when she did finally awaken from this induced sleep because they had put her under but they also had began to give her propofol so that she could relax um their eyes met and he would give me updates and he would make that sacrifice and he would pray and he would call and let me know what was going on and he took another cousin who is in the medical field to see what was going on and they were allowed access to information that people normally wouldn't get because God provides and there's this there's this grace and this mercy that follows people who follow him and so I was allowed an insight of what was going on and not while not physically being there. And so from that experience, I learned I don't want to be 
in this space of aloofness again. If something else happens, I want to be present. Um, and so in, in March of 2013, when this situation happened again, I got home as soon as I could. And when I got home, my mom was in the ICU and had literally just awakened from being sedated with profofol and being, I hope I'm saying that right, and being on a ventilator. And she woke up and she saw me and she said, hey, baby. And I said, hey, mom, what's going on? And my best friend, Gabrielle, was with me at the time. And she said, can I come, can I just come live with you? And it broke my heart. Because as much as I wanted things to be better, as much as I wanted to be there for her like she had been there for me, as much as I wanted to care for her the way that she had cared for me, I didn't feel like I had the capacity to do it. And by capacity, I meant mental, emotional, financial capacity. I just didn't think I had it in me. And... I literally buried my face into my best friend's arm and I cried because I said, I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, we never revisited the whole, let me come live with you. But that particular visit was trying because she was difficult. She was difficult because she was in this position because of mismanagement of diabetes she was in this position because there were other physical things going on with her other health concerns that she hadn't taken seriously that she hadn't attended to but more so than anything she was deeply severely depressed and she was a shell of a shell of a shell of a shell of the woman that I had grown to know as my mother um my mother was an extremely outgoing, loquacious, talkative, inviting, warm person. She met no strangers. Everybody who knew or loved her, they thought she was funny. And that woman had dissipated. And as a child, you don't always know how to respond in those particular instances. And so to see her in that space, to be so withdrawn, to be so combative about getting better. Um, We had a huge falling out because she didn't want to fill out uh, disability paperwork. And she hadn't filled it out. And I was like, Mom, you keep complaining about not being in a position to take care of yourself, to having to depend on people, how frustrating that is, and how you just want to work and do your own thing. You're in a position where you're not able to do that. And you may be able to go back to work someday. But until then, this is the best option. You've paid into this system your entire life. You've been working since you were 14 years old, because she lied about her age. You've been working since you were 13 years old, actually. So you've been paying Social Security all this time. You're entitled to this money. You have reached a point where you have been rendered disabled, unable to work on a regular basis because of your illnesses. Tap into it. So I 
I was I was I was lit. You hear me? But livid <laughs> and lit and kind of laying into her about the importance of doing it. And she was like, fine. So I, I filled out as much of the paperwork as I possibly could. And I was like, all you have to do is fill in the blanks and sign it and send it off. Okay. This is the step in the right direction. This is the step to regaining your independence. You said you want to come live with me. You can't come live with me without benefit. You're going to need benefit. I am not in a position to financially take care of both of us. But if you have benefit, we can make it work. And I um, I had to leave her. Um, she was out of ICU, but she was in a room. And I remember having to fight with the hospital staff because they weren't going to release her tomorrow. And I was like, she hasn't walking. She walking. She hasn't walked. Sorry. Um, and she, her hand was severely kind of, um, I, I think it kind of atrophied from being, you know, sedated and, and out of it. And so she couldn't completely un, uncrinkle, for lack of a better word, her hand. And so I was feeding her or, you know, she had, you know, it was taking her a while. I was like, you can't send her home this way. But I didn't have any more time at the time. And I, I had made my flight out for a week and Again, not thinking you can extend this time. You can figure this out. There are other things that you can do. Thinking more of self first. Um, I left and she was sad. And I was sad because I realized in that instance that if a person doesn't have an advocate, especially if they are uninsured or underinsured, they get the worst of the worst. And she didn't really have an advocate basically saying this is what she needs. This is the way this needs to be done. There was no one there to do that. Excuse me. Nonetheless, we got through the rest of that year, the first part of that year, pretty smoothly. Um, I was going to be home quite a bit because my middle brother was graduating from high school. My best friend, Gabrielle, was getting married um, and I was in the wedding. So I I, I was going to be home. And my best friend got married right around my mom's birthday. Um... And so my brother's graduation was also around that time. So I was just home for like two weeks almost. And it gave us an opportunity to do things. So, you know, I took her out. We went shopping. I let her buy whatever she wanted to buy. Um, We went out to eat wherever she wanted to go eat. I went and took her and got her. She got her hair done. Um, We just had a really good time. And we talked because at the time she was staying with my godmother and I said hey mom you know I've been in therapy since I was 25 and at this point it was only a couple years and I was like I really think you should think about it have you thought about it and she was like yeah I kind of thought about it I was like mom listen there's not much that I ask But I could typically bank on the fact that if I ask, she would at least consider and possibly do it. I was like, for me, I want you to do it for me. I know you're uncomfortable. I know it seems weird, but I want you to just try it for me. And she said, okay, baby, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. And uh, needless to say, she did not try it. Um, We went through the rest of the year. Not too many hiccups, but I... I wasn't going to go home for Christmas. And the person that I was talking to at the time wanted to travel home 
because he was also from Detroit and he said we should just go and I was like I don't really know so the day before Christmas Eve he said we should just go let's rent a car I'll split it with you let's make it happen and I was like what the hell let's do it gives us an opportunity to spend time together talk whole nine yards let's go this person um had lost their mother some years ago and so we had spoke a lot about that because it was something that he was still heavily dealing with and the one thing I could remember is I was like if I ever lose my mother I don't want to be in this state I don't ever want to be in a position where I feel like I can't make it I don't ever want to be in a position where I'm so withdrawn from life so detached from life that that I'm just I'm like a zombie and there were parts of his narrative that were like that you know just unable to really forge on after losing his mother and being so resentful and 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 mad at people and mad at her and mad at God I just didn't want to be that person I didn't want my life to be on hold in that way and so he encouraged me to kind of just have a conversation with her you know and so I didn't tell her I was coming home told my dad Christmas Eve comes I normally spend Christmas Eve at my dad's house so I'm there playing with my brothers having a good time tell my mom I was like oh yeah I don't really know what I'm gonna do for Christmas yada 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 Christmas day I get up I go to the house I drive over oh knock on the door she's totally surprised couldn't believe I was home was like what are you doing here it was great to see her smile because you know anybody can say they're doing well over the phone they can laugh and joke and you can have a good time but you know it's nothing like putting your eyes on somebody to really see what's going on and so we laughed and we talked and we had a good time and I you know I was often criticized when I came home if I didn't spend enough time with her or my or my or my or that side of the family and so to dispel that I was like listen we're gonna pick a day and that's your day we're gonna spend the whole day together we're gonna do whatever it is you want to do that that's what's gonna happen and it was the 28th of December which happens to be one of my cousin's birthdays and so the 28th of December was her day we're gonna hang out we're gonna do the whole thing whatever you want to do and I was like whatever you want to eat you know it was just Christmas she was like I I really want some bread basket bread basket is a place we go for corned beef sandwiches back home and I eat my sandwich pretty much the same way that she eats her sandwich it's corned beef and pastrami lean on rye toasted with mustard swiss cheese pretty much cut in half best corned beef sandwich ever although some people from Detroit say loose deli is better but whatever anyway we went there we ate and we sat in the car and we just talked we talked about her illness we talked about her being sick we talked about you know going in 2014 different you know making sure that she had her services I had just that's another thing I had just been home in August for my 10 year high school reunion and that's when she got her denial letter for her benefits and we talked a little bit about that because she had a physical examination my mom had worked in the DMC for many many years and one of the doctors or the doctor that was assigned to do her physical examination was a doctor whom she had worked with um, while she was at the DMC and she said that she felt judged and she felt like the assessment wasn't done 
and taken seriously because of who she once was. She really felt like that person looked at her and and made all of these assumptions about her without knowing. And there were a lot of things swirling around. People thought that my mother had started using drugs. There's just a lot of misnomers about what was really truly going on. And you know, as a kid, that's hurtful because it wasn't coming from strangers. It was coming from family and close friends. Um, And she wasn't being forthright or honest about her pain. And so when I was home in August, I was like, mom, we're going to fight it. We're going to do the appeal. That's just how that works, you know? Um... And so a lot of that was looming over our heads when I was home in December. And I was like, we're going to do the appeal. We're going to get these benefits. And then, you know, maybe you need to change the scenery. Maybe after you get your benefits, you need to come and stay with me for a while. A couple of months just to switch it up. I had mentioned it about her coming back with me even then. Because that's something that my friend has suggested. You just ride back with us. And I had mentioned it to my roommate at the time. If my mom had to come stay with us for a couple of months, how would you feel about that? And he was like, that's your mama, you know, so whatever. You know, I guess I had turned that page of really trying to figure out what might be best for her. Even though there were people saying like, you know, caretaking is a big deal. And she wasn't like needed me to like feed her and like bathe her or anything like that. But just being responsible for another person was a big deal. And you want to be careful about that. But I guess I was just at that point where I was like, I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm losing her. Let me figure something out. Um, But that night, we talked. And we talked about things from my childhood that I didn't understand that hurt me. Um, And um, how therapy had allowed me to come to a place where I had forgiven her for those things because I realized that there's no rule book to parenting. There's no right or wrong. You do the best you can with what you got. And sometimes you make choices and decisions under the guise of them being the best for your child that may not necessarily be that. Sometimes you make choices and decisions that are selfish. Sometimes you make choices and decisions that are intended to hurt someone else. And as a byproduct, the child gets hurt. And how I had come to a resolve with those things that I wasn't mad at her for those things anymore, that I accepted them for what they were and understood that at the time she was just doing the best that she could do. And she apologized for the ways in which she hurt me because that was never her intent. Um, We talked about being more conscious and accountable for our own personal health. And wanting to get better. And part of that was mental health and mental wellness. You know? Um, Because I had done the research. I had found places that she could go. I had given her numbers for her to call. And it was kind of like a... It was like a revisitation. These are the things that we've talked about. But mom, we have to take these things seriously. We got to get some insurance. It's just us. If something happens to me, if something happens to you, we want to be ready for that. It's not about anybody getting rich. It's about somebody being able to take care of what needs to be taken care of. Um, 
And so we had that conversation. And we laughed and we hugged and we cried and wiped each other's tears and laughed and hugged and cried and wiped some more of each other's tears. And we went on with our day or our evening. I went back to my dad's house feeling good. I was like, I had a great conversation with my mom. I think this next year is going to be a good year for her and in turn a good year for us, getting her back on her feet. Um, And of course he was like, well, that's good. That's good. And so the 29th comes of December and I get a, a frantic call from her about a headache. And um, she's like, it hurts really bad. I can't concentrate. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, mom, listen, I don't really know what you want me to do. But whatever it is you want to do, we can do. And she said, okay, I'm going to try to drink a cup of coffee. um, Because obviously caffeine helps with headaches. I don't drink coffee, so I don't really know. Um, and And if that doesn't work, I'll call you back. I was like, please do immediately. Seconds later, it seemed, my, my aunt, uh, who is not good under pressure, called me and was like, hey, you need to get here quick. I don't know what's going on. Something's not, you know, it, I mean, she was just really, really um, dramatic about, you know, something's, you know, your mom ain't going to make it like this. And I'm like, we just talked. She said she had a headache. I said, fine, I'm coming. Tell my dad. I said, listen, excuse me. I have to go see what's going on. Obviously, mom's not doing well. I get there. People are frantically ripping things out of cars to make room. It's December, mind you, in Detroit. And it's eight, seven, eight o'clock at night. She comes out of the house, dripping wet, with a coat she wouldn't zip up, um, complaining of shortness of breath. They had called the ambulance. They, they were moving too slow, so they called and canceled it. Fine, I'll take her. We get in the car. I'm like, Mom, I need you to sit back. I need you to put your seatbelt on. I can't. I can't catch my breath. I can't. I can't. I said, okay. We get to the end of the block, and she says, Philip, I said, yes. She said, I love you. I said, I love you too. So now I'm playing protective parent, holding my arm out so that if I have to break, she doesn't slam her head into the, the windshield or the dashboard. We get to the hospital. We get to emergency. I pull up. They come out. She's complaining of shortness of breath, and she's like, She's frantic, you know, she's frantic. She's like, I, I can't breathe. Please help me, please help me, please help me, please help me. Rush her in, check her in. I have to move the car. I come back around. She's in ICU and I walk past and she points and she said, that's my son. They come out, they say, hey, we're doing what we can. Sit in the waiting room, wait. I ended up being in a waiting room talking to a, a woman who had a something similar was going on with her husband. And so we just had this whole conversation about being ventilated and the back and forth and the whole nine yards. And, um, you know, his struggle. And I was like, well, you know, I'll pray for you. You pray for me, that type of deal. She was very, very sweet. Um, we ended up being disconnected and I'm waiting. So my phone is getting ready to die. I'm texting my friend because we're supposed to get back on the road tomorrow, Monday. Um... And I basically was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to make it. Like, we we may be delayed because I don't know what's going on with my mom. And I really just don't want to leave her in this particular situation. He was like, okay, let me know what I can do. Talking to my dad, I'm like, you know, I don't know what's really going on. I'm trying to keep everybody updated. But time is passing. 
just taking too much time. And have you ever been in a situation where you're like, this is taking too much time? Anyway, to make a long story less long, um, I needed to go grab my charger. I went back and talked to a nurse and I was like, hey, um, my phone's getting ready to die, but I don't want to miss the doctor. I've been waiting. Could you give me some update? What's going on? And she said, I'll have the doctor, um, like, we'll just go back in the waiting room. We'll come get you. And I was like, okay, but like, I really, can I just have an update? And her continence fell. And she was just like, if you could just wait in the waiting room, um, we'll come get you in a minute. And I was just like, this isn't right. Just felt it. I just felt like something wasn't right. Anyway, um, I think I called my dad because I needed him to bring me my charger because it wasn't, I didn't have a charger in the car. And in the interim, they came and they, they, you know, they, they started off the sentence like you see on the movies, you know, um, we did everything that we could, but unfortunately, um, we couldn't save her. And I just, in that moment, it was like, I burst out in tears, but then I withdrew my tears because it was like, I gotta be calm, I gotta be cool. That was my my demeanor. I gotta be calm, I gotta be cool. I can't lose it, you know? But it was just this constant back and forth, like really schizophrenic behavior, like completely sobbing to, you gotta get yourself together because you have many people you have to tell this story to and so my dad arrived and I told him and he was in disbelief kind of collapsed into him called my best friends Elle and Brittany they came called the friend that I was riding with he came started making calls to family to come to our best friend my godmother to report to everybody else um and then the roller coaster ride began you know um what do you do how do you move on past this i tell this story because that conversation the night before was a fateful conversation and therapy allowed me to be open to having that conversation because I had shrugged it off for some time because I had been told in therapy for some time that that conversation needed to be had um and I just was like yeah 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 for what how is she going to respond? How is she going to react? What am I going to say? How am I going to not hurt her feelings? But I know for a fact that without that conversation and without the therapy sessions about me and my mother's relationship leading up to that conversation, that I would not have been able to handle her, her death with as much as one friend has uh, labeled it grace as I did um sad yes a little disappointed yes but I wasn't angry at her or God or my family 
or myself. Um, I wasn't stuck. I actually was resolved because I know and I knew then and I definitely know now that um, death unfortunately afforded my mother a peace that life no longer offered. Um, There was an unwillingness to do some of the work on her part to get stronger and that's just a fact of life. And so her trauma with how she was doing health-wise and some some other things that she hadn't quite dealt with, her own mother's passing, Um, some unresolved issues, I think, with her relationship with my dad even. All of those things kind of weighed heavily on her. And then when her health began to fail and she didn't really have a response or reason or she didn't really know why, there was really no explanation, um, it all just kind of compounded and kind of pressed her. And those things that normally could pull her out of a rut like me and what I needed and what I wanted um, weren't enough. She needed some additional help. So I caution people all the time to to address these things because you don't realize how burdensome trauma can be. And it's not always trauma in the sense of abuse, physical or sexual. It's not always trauma in the sense of um someone died unexpectedly sometimes it's a relationship that didn't go as planned it's a loss of a job it's a loss of a friendship it's the process of seeing other people around you move on from something that you also experienced and not really realizing why you're unable to do such and we ignore it or we we shrug it off um, or we use those coping mechanisms to numb and dumb the pain and sure you feel okay in that moment but you always revisit that place of despair and doubt and confusion and, and, and loneliness and so I urge people that when you notice that these things are off to have that conversation um, and, and speak with someone who you know you, who's, who's gone through, through therapy who's, who's had those tough conversations you know find someone that you feel that you can speak to freely and openly with um, my story with my mother isn't necessarily unique in terms of other people have been through those same things but I don't know if everybody has had the the blessing because I consider it a blessing to have the the closure that I had and have so again there are days where I am sad there are days where I miss her there are things that I want to share um this past year in December which would have been five years well which was five years was tough for me tougher than it had ever been I get through 
her birthday, I get through my birthday, I get through Mother's Day. Um, some days the 29th of December passes and I don't even think about the 29th of December, but this year was, this past year, 2018, was different. Um, I'm not going to, to say that, um, I've gotten over it because I remember that night very vividly. Um, what I, what I explain to people is, it's not a situation where I feel time heals it. You just learn to adjust to life without that particular person. Um, and you try in, in every way that you can to keep that memory alive in those that may not have known her or to kind of deal with the sadness of missing that particular person. I laugh a lot about her. I laugh a lot about our stories. I, I make jokes about a lot of events in our lives because that helps me. But the biggest help for me was having a conversation and dealing with the trauma from our past and recognizing what it was and, 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 and also recognizing what it wasn't. Because what would ultimately end up happening is, or what ultimately ends up happening is you take that trauma to the next phase of your life to the next relationship and then that person ends up paying for things you haven't resolved and until you resolve whatever that trauma is loss pain trust until you begin to get to a place where you identify those things for what they are and what they were then you're going to be stuck And then your trauma becomes the responsibility of someone else to try to manage through. And I just knew that I didn't want to put anybody else through that because I've seen the loss, particularly of a mother, totally derail a person's life. And I want it better for myself. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that she does, did also. And so today was a very lengthy podcast, but I thought that it was important because it's a story that I haven't shared with many people and I don't talk about a lot, but I don't have an issue um, laying myself out on the line if I think that my story can help someone else. And I know for a fact that professional counsel allowed me to resolve some issues from my childhood that I didn't even realize were issues. And those issues were with my mom. And although from the outside looking in, people would say your mom loved you tremendously and you guys had a great relationship and you were the best of friends, it was not always that way. And there were periods of time where we weren't friends. And our relationship was simply... I love and respect and honor my mother because she is my mother. And so I'm going to do these things because that's what it looks like when you love, respect, and honor your mother. But in terms of talking, in terms of having thoughtful conversation, we weren't having those. And therapy allowed me to resolve that. And though sadly, the the one conversation that we had that was all of those things, thoughtful and loving and 
and healing was our last is one I'll never forget. And because of that, I am able to live life the way she would have wanted me to. I'm able to live life in a way that is representative of the hard work and the sacrifices that she made so that I could proudly say that I am a Morehouse man and that I am a graduate of Drexel University and that I've been gainfully employed for 11 years and that I've never been in any trouble with the law. Um, All of that is because of sacrifices that she made. In conjunction, of course, with my father and loving grandparents and aunts and uncles. But, you know, not to take credit from anyone else. You know, this is about the sacrifice she made and how I am appreciative of that sacrifice. And I was able to love her for those sacrifices, despite the challenges that we may have had transitioning from adolescence to adulthood when A lot of the things that I dealt with as a child or that I had categorized as being one thing were actually something different. So I encourage anybody who is dealing with loss or any type of trauma, trauma from a bad relationship, trauma from um, whether it be romantic or platonic or familial, trauma from abuse, trauma from, from racism. Um, or, or oppression or sexism, whatever those things are that you seek um, some form of professional counsel because mental wellness is one of the most important that we have because it informs so many other things. And you don't want to find yourself in a position where life is slipping away from you or you've convinced yourself that there are things that you don't want or don't need or don't deserve because mentally you aren't in a place to receive those things. So, happy Thursday. This is a long one. Hang in there with me. I think it's worth it. Um, And not just because it's my story, but because I believe my story will help others. I love y'all for real. Follow my new IG page, Popping Off With Feel. Comment, like, post. Um, Review. Review. I really need reviews. I really need people to take the time to write a thoughtful review because those reviews, especially on platforms like Apple and Google and possibly Spotify, because when you write those reviews, it... It highlights my particular podcast and when all of those different algorithms are running and they're trying to figure out what people are listening to or how to suggest things to people um, to listen to, those reviews help me. So obviously I want a platform much larger than this at some point and so I need your help in order to do that. Um, I love y'all for real. Thanks for indulging me through this very, very long post. They are normally not like this, but I obviously had a lot to say. Have a terrific Tuesday. Happy Valentine's Day to all of the lovers out there. Um, Do something special. Doesn't have to be big. Just has to be from the heart. Peace.